says, After this Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In our study today, we learn of a brother and sister named Amnon and Tamar who were the children of David, Tamar, through his wife, Maacah, who was the daughter of Ptolemai, king of Jeshur, and Amnon, who was David's firstborn son, born from his wife, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. Being the firstborn, Amnon was crown prince, first in line for the throne of Israel. Amnon longed for Tamar so much that he became lovesick. It was even more difficult for him because she was a virgin, meaning that she was available for marriage, but not to Amnon because marriage between half-brother and half-sister was forbidden. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 13. Uh, Let's open in our Bibles to, uh, we've been going through 2 Samuel. And tonight we are going to be looking at another chapter that's fairly difficult you know, 11, 12, and 13 of Second Samuel have been very, um, very difficult because they deal with topics that we don't like to talk about, but it is the Word of God, and therefore we, we go through it. We don't skip over it because if it's here, there's a reason for it, and certainly for our nurture and our admonition, for our encouragement, even to bring us into conviction even, and, and God does that, doesn't he? He convicts us, he, he, and it's because he loves us that he does so. If God didn't convict us and bring conviction at times when we were going astray, then we would be illegitimate children, the Bible says. But I, like you, need to be chastened from time to time, and hopefully not as often as we'd like. None of us like to be chastened. Doesn't the Scripture tell us that? None of us like to be chastened. And we see David going through this time of chastening and perhaps one of the uh, few darkest times of his life. I think the first dark moment of David's life was when he was on the run from Saul after God had anointed him to be king and yet being on the run for at least uh, probably between seven to ten years actually until finally Saul was killed in battle by the Philistines, and finally when he came into the kingdom and was only over Judah, actually. He ruled in Hebron for seven years, seven and a half years. And it would be uh, that time before he would actually 
have dominion or his kingdom broadened to include all of Israel, and he reigned in Jerusalem for thirty year, or 33 years, total of 40 years. And so David, now that he is king, he goes through this time period where the season in his life where I'm sure he would just love to erase and start over again, where he had the adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and then trying to cover it up, he kills Uriah's, uh, or kills Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, trying to cover it up. And a year goes by while David is still reeling from this, and finally the Lord puts upon the heart of Nathan the prophet, David's seer, if you will, and he comes to him and he says, and he gives him a parable about a lamb being taken from uh, a man and, and given to uh, another man. And David, as a shepherd, naturally he's incensed and full of rage and anger and says, the man that has done this thing shall surely die, although the law tells us that if somebody steals a lamb, they're to restore it fourfold. So for a stolen sheep, you'd restore it four sheep. But David not only says that, that he should restore fourfold, but then he, he includes even more on top of that and said, the man who does this or did this should surely die. And Nathan breaks through all of David's madness and his deceit and hiding and says, David, you're the man. You're the man who stole that precious ewe lamb, that precious ewe lamb from Uriah. You stole Bathsheba, his only one, and you took her to yourself. And then you murdered her husband. And do you know that David was worthy of death on two accounts here? And yet because of David's repentant heart, God forgave him. I find that remarkable. Because most people are after bloodlust. <laughs> they, they want uh, justice to be done. And God is a God of justice. But do you know there's a difference between somebody who is continuing in their sin versus one who is truly broken and repentant? God can see through that. He knows the heart. Aren't you glad that he knows your heart? We can't look at each other and see each other's heart. But God can look through us like we're translucent glass. He can see right through each of us tonight, and he knows exactly what we're thinking, where we've been, what we've done, and he has forgiven us by the blood of Jesus Christ. He never will look upon our sin again. Aren't you glad for that? Because I deserve hell, and I hate to say it, but so do you, right? We don't like to talk about that, but that's the truth. I deserve hell, and I knew that I was on my way to hell. And yet God saw my heart, broke my heart. I repented of my sin, and I'm continuing to repent of sin. But David, there was something about him that God just found, he just couldn't resist him. Because in spite of David's flaws and his faults, and despite, in spite of his sin, God saw a man who loved righteousness. And David broke, he really broke, and he was never the same again. He was never the same again. God had forgiven him of the sin, and David was very thankful. And in fact, I think at the end of chapter 12, it says something really remarkable that, that David said. It's actually in the, um, uh, the 22nd verse of chapter 12. Remember, the, the, the child of Uriah, or I'm sorry, of David and Bathsheba, the child became sick after it had been born. And, and he knew that the, the child was in peril and then finally, the child does die, and David 
His servants are wondering, why is he getting up now and washing himself and eating? And one thing that David said that I think is so profound, especially for the Old Testament, (laughs) he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Do you understand the, the gravity of that statement? David had the chutzpah to understand that God not only forgave him of the sin, which was pretty incredible, honestly. I mean, any one of those sins are huge, and he did them both within a matter of a short period of time. He knew that God had forgiven him, but he also knew, do you see in what he said there? I believe that children, when they're infants, and before the age of accountability, which is different for every child, I believe when that child dies, that child's spirit and soul return to God. I believe that with all my heart, because God is a good God. He's a good judge. And David knew, number one, that he was forgiven, and he also knew that he couldn't bring the child back, but that he was going to go be with the child. And where is the child? Where did David know the child was in the spirit? He knew the child was in glory. That is profound. Think about that. So regardless of what your sin is tonight, regardless of what you've ever done in your life, do you know that there is a God who can forgive and he will forgive you? All you need to do is confess it to him and come to him on his terms, not on yours. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that has saved us. There's no other salvation given among men whereby we must be saved but by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. There's no one else that can get us. He is the mediator, the one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, the God-man, God in the flesh, the Logos. Only he alone can get us to heaven. But we have to believe in what he did on the cross and give our lives to him become born again, the Spirit of God indwelling us, covering and, and, and pushing and suppressing this old nature within each of us. Do you know that there's two natures within you? You know that nature because the nature that says, I'm gonna, I want to serve the Lord and I want to have a clear conscience and I want to serve and I want to bless others and I want to get into the Word and I want to worship God and I want to have a clear conscience, that's the Spirit of God working in your life. And your old nature is the one that says, you know what, I'm not going to church tonight, I'm going to the bar. Or I'm not going to go to church tonight. In fact, I'm going to watch the... And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with watching series or television. But, you know, there's better things you can do with your time. But the old nature wants you to kick back. The old nature wants you to cave into the flesh. The old nature wants you to forsake those things that God wants you to do. That are best for you. Because the flesh always yields the flesh. If I give into the flesh long enough, it just wants more. It wants more. But like the Bible says, I need to crucify that old man within me, that old nature. I need to continually do it day by day. He's paid the price for me, Jesus, but I need to crucify those members in my body daily. That means the lying and the stealing and the, and the lustful thoughts and the, the anger and all these things that we hate, that we know are sinful. We need to look at those honestly and crucify them daily and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we will walk in the Spirit, not in the energy of the flesh. And so David was walking in the energy of the flesh. The child dies, and David makes that statement, I can't 
bring him back, but I will go to him. And I find it interesting. Actually, you know what? Let's, let's read chapter 13. Let's read the first 22 verses of this. After this, it says, Absalom, after the, the child dies, David is restored. He, he, he gets up out of his doldrums. He, he, he eats. It says, After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man, and he said to him, Why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And so Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat from her hand. And then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and and he was lying down. And then she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and she placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. And then Amnon said, have everyone go out for me. And they all went out from him. And then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and she brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. And when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where should I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold you from me, or he will not, with, uh, he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than she, he forced her and he lay with her. And then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. And so she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. And then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. And then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head, went out crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. What a miserable brother. I put that commentary on myself. I just want to put that in parentheses. What a miserable brother. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. 
And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. As we read this, it's very difficult to read of a situation like this, and these are real things that happened in history. This is not just a story. You know, sometimes we talk about stories in the Bible, but they're not stories. I don't even like using the word stories, me personally, because it gives the impression that it's fiction. But these things are real. This is history. And why is it here? It's here to encourage us and also to warn us and to reveal God's plan of redemption and to reveal God's heart and also to show the heart of man. I don't know about you, but I'm not really impressed with my own heart. I'm not impressed with the heart of man. You know, I'm 51 years old, and I've been around long enough to see the detriment in my own heart, the sin in my own heart. I'm I'm old enough to have gone and maybe done many things already in my life, especially before Christ. And I look back on them now, and did they profit anything? There is nothing good that comes out of sin The wages of sin, what we deserve from sin is death. And it may not be a physical death right now, but it could be a death to a relationship. It could be a a death in a relationship. Certainly your relationship with God if left unrepented. But it's a death nonetheless. And friendships and marriages all get hurt and some even get destroyed and they never recover. And those that do recover are not quite the same. And so it's, it's serious business, isn't it? And, and this is really hard to look at. Now, what we see here tonight is the working out of a prophecy that God had given to David as a result of what he had done. God told him, look with me over in Second Samuel chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. Look with me at what it says, because we're seeing the beginning of that happen literally in the chapter we're looking at tonight. And it's going to be meted out over the next several chapters. God is going to be working. And these next several chapters encompass a few, some years, some time. But God is going to allow David, although forgiven of the sin of the murder and the adultery, he's going to allow him to reap the consequences. Notice what God said to David, and, and he said it to, through Nathan. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man, and thus is the Lord God of Israel. Here it is. I anointed you king over Israel, David, and here God is speaking to him. And I delivered you from the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and you've killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore, and here's where the the, the blow comes. Here's where the, the hammer falls. Now therefore, because of what you've done, David, now therefore, here's the consequence of your sin. Yes, I forgive you. Yes, you're restored to me, but there is a consequence for this. And I'm going to allow the consequence. The sword shall never depart from your house. Because you have despised, notice me, you've despised me. Not that you despised Uriah or even Bathsheba. He didn't even mention him. You notice that? The ones whom he sinned against, he didn't even mention Our our first sin is with God. Whenever we do anything, it's against him, first and foremost. Then, Then everybody else, right? 
So God says, you have despised me and you've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. We're going to see that. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. And For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. So the sword will never depart from his house. And we're going to see tonight that, Lord willing, it's a, it's a lengthy chapter, and we're taking communion this evening. So when we're looking at chapter, or verse 10 tonight, and we're going to see that the sword is not going to depart. It's going to begin. It's going to begin here. And then we're going to see verses 11 and 12 being meted out in the subsequent chapters. In that order, by the way. Chapter 10 is looking at, at, at chapter 30. Or, I'm sorry, um, verse 10 and chapter 12 is really speaking to the chapter we're looking at tonight. Chapter 13. In Numbers, if you recall, in Numbers 32, Moses, God through Moses, actually is speaking to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh before they go into the Promised Land. Those three tribes wanted to stay on the east side of the Jordan River. The land was pleasing, and they're like, you know what, we don't even want to go over into the Promised Land. I know God has promised us that land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what, this land is really nice. We've got lots of places to, to feed our cattle. We want to stay over here. And God says, if you want that, you need to go over and help your brothers fight in the land because they've got Canaanites, giants in the land. They need, you, they need you to go over and conquer that land. And once the land is conquered, then you can come back over. And he says, and if you don't do this, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure. And see, and that's the same true is for David. It was a year before he was discovered, and it's the same is true for us. May we come quickly to God and ask for forgiveness and repent and turn from all known sin in our life. But what we're looking at tonight is the consequence of that sin. Verse 10, the sword shall not depart from your house. And we can't run away from sin. We can't run away from consequences. David in Psalm 139, 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell or in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, God. He can see through the darkness. But I love again, before we get into this, I love the promise of John in his first epistle. What is it? If we confess. If there's one verse that you need to memorize this week, memorize this verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is such a precious promise. One of the most precious promises in the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess, 
He is faithful to forgive and to cleanse. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.